0: Welcome to season two of the Warriors of Education podcast, bringing you heartwarming and real conversations with teachers on the front line of education across the globe. I'm Karen Sarah Watson. I'm not only the host, but I am a teacher. This podcast is for people who want to better understand the experience of today's teachers. Come join us. Welcome to season two of the Warriors of Education podcast. Today, I am so excited. I have Jesse Rodriguez all the way from Minneapolis, Minnesota on. And I know you have a lot to share, especially coming from Minneapolis. So let's just start out with telling us about basically where you teach and how long you've been teaching and just a little bit of history of your teaching.
1: Okay, so um, I think it's important to note that I grew up in Southern California. I um, went to Northern Arizona University for school in Arizona. And then I spent my first two years of teaching in a Title I low-income school. Um, And then I moved to Minneapolis last summer in August or in May 2020. And I got my first teaching position in Minnesota, which is a charter school called, or should I say the name of the school? Just say your charter school. That's totally fine. Okay, Um, A charter school, and I teach fourth grade. I teach at a title 1 low income school in downtown Minneapolis. Um we have a very big diversity rate at our school. Um about 80% is African American um, with a big Hispanic and very little um Caucasian percentage. <laughs> cool. And how long, how long has it been? Is this your first year? This is my third year teaching, but my first year in Minneapolis. So I taught fifth grade my first year and then fourth grade last year and then fourth grade
0: again. So let me ask you a question. That must have been, um, what was it like during a pandemic to start in an entirely new city and a city
1: that has been going through a lot? What was that like for you? Um, So coming from a Title I school uh, in Phoenix, I always knew that I wanted to work with the low-income community, um, just because there's a lot of opportunities that they don't have. So coming and applying for jobs during the pandemic and even after George Floyd's murder was very interesting, to say the least. Um, I knew from my experience that I wanted a Title I school. And I also knew that I wanted a lot of diversity because me, myself, I'm Hispanic, Native American, and Caucasian. And so I knew that with all of this social justice going on that I wanted to be at a school that was gonna allow me to express that in the classroom. And so as I was looking at schools to apply to, I was looking at how they were reacting to George Floyd's death and kind of where they were in um, perspective from where everything was happening, the neighborhoods, and how the communities were responding. So it was really interesting, and it was kind of scary, too, just because it was all new. Right. And so, so
0: this was during, no, that's okay. So this was during the pandemic. So did you go in automatically teaching remotely, or were you in person?
1: I was remote. So yeah, I was remote, and then we started out this school year remotely, too. Okay. Um, Are you live now? Yes. I am fully back in person. I have been since February, but before that I did a hybrid model, which in as home. I'm, I'm sure you've heard how fun it is.
0: Yes. I do <laughs> it myself. So that's the, that's the good thing about this podcast. Cause I talk to you yes. and I'm right in the middle. I'm right there with you. There you
1: go. So, you know, just all the extra work and you know, trying to create resources and support for students in person and online at the same time is just so wild. But um, I'm lucky I didn't have to do too long of that. Um, But yes, we are full person now, which has been really nice. Um, I know we wanna talk about the trial and being in Minnesota uh, or Minneapolis, but with us having these conversations, it was really nice to have that in person because I don't know if we could have gotten as deep or talked about things the way we did if we were online.
0: Right, right. Well, how was how was it in the beginning of the pandemic for you? Before we get into the all-Georgia, okay. tell me about like your experience being a new teacher, walking into a brand new school. It's a pandemic. You're teaching remotely. How do you adjust to that being
1: the new person? Um. Yeah, so um, that was tough, but at least in my old school, I had a couple months of doing that before I moved over here. So I had an idea of how to do it. But yes, it is weird being the new person. But it almost felt like everyone was new last year, because we were all learning together. And my school isn't new. I think it's been open for seven years. So they tend to have a lot of newer staff as well. So when it came to being new, that wasn't as much of a big deal because it, like I said, it was like, we were all new again, um, all learning how to do everything, teach in a different way. And so yeah. that was the nice part about moving during this time. <laughs> that was the support. Did you, did you get support from your um, administration? I did as much as they could. Um, my school is a charter school and so we don't have a all the resources that a lot of other public schools would have um so i would say that they gave us the most support that they could it was still a challenge and there was definitely more support that i would have appreciated but i know that my school did do all that they could that's that so. That is a good note um, yeah. on top of
0: what you walked into also. So let's just talk about the George Floyd um, situation. So you you got there and you started teaching in NIST after the murder of George George Floyd. Yes. Can
1: you talk about that experience? Yeah. So when I interviewed for this job, I said, I asked in my interview, You know, how are things going? How has the school been affected? How has the community been affected? And right off the bat, I learned that the murder of George Floyd did happen in the neighborhood of our school, the neighborhood of our students and our staff. Um, The cub that he was murdered at is the local grocery store. And so this really had a huge, huge effect on the students, whether they really knew what was happening or not. And so when I went into my interview, I said at the very end, I said, I just want you guys to know that, you know, I'm ready to be like a teacher for black and brown children. I'm ready to help them learn and work through their emotions and figure out what's going on and to, you know, ultimately fight for them to, you know, have equal and equitable opportunities. And because they hired me after saying that, I knew that they were gonna be okay with me bringing that into the classroom. So then we get to teacher training and my principal puts us all in the first staff meeting together. And the first thing she says is, so how are we gonna teach Black Lives Matters in the classroom? And no one volunteered to talk. And it was quiet and it was awkward and we were all in our rooms. I think I was in a room with like three others and we were like just looking at each other And then she stopped and she was, she said again, she said, how do we expect our students to feel comfortable with what's going on or to feel safe or understand if we as a staff can't even talk about it with each other? And in my head, I was kind of like, wow, that's so true. Like, you know, I'm having a hard time knowing what's going on. These kids don't even have I, I don't know. They just, they, there's, no, uh, there's no way that they know more than I do or feel like they understand this more than I do or feel okay with it. Right. And so from that moment on, my staff just started having really genuine conversations about our fears, our um, like anxiety or worries over having these conversations in the classroom and how we can overcome them.
0: And what is the racial, um, what is the racial background of the teachers in your school?
1: Do you have a diverse teachers? So each class has a teacher and a para. Um, most majority of our teachers are white. There's only a couple staff who are, I don't think there's any teachers who are black. I think I'm the only Hispanic teacher. There's one Asian and then the rest are white. Um, but we have paras in our classroom and we hire people of color as our paras um, to help with that ratio. I don't, that kind of sounds bad, but. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, it's not to be judged right
0: now because that yes. is the state of education in this country. Yes. So yes. it's not, you're just being honest with us about that. Um, I am. Um, yes. I, I'm fortunate enough that I work in a school with mostly, it's mostly black teachers in my school. Oh, wow. If, um, awesome other, there's other cultures also involved, but, um, it's, it's a common thing. So Mm -hmm. nothing to be ashamed of. This is just, this speaks to the system.
1: It does. It really does. Yeah. So we have a person of color. Um, I think they're all black, but they're in the classrooms with us. And so I know that is intentional to, you know, make our classrooms feel safe and comfortable and, you know, have connections and things like that. So um, that also has been very helpful throughout this whole thing as well.
0: Yeah. Um, did they have to, did you, did you take their input and stuff on, on
1: bringing the yeah. Black Lives Matter curriculum into the classrooms? Yes. So my biggest fear was as a Hispanic woman, I was going to put myself in a Black woman's shoes, which I know I don't compare to. I'm very tan, but I'm very white passing as well. And so um, I would go to him a lot and ask him, did what I say, was that appropriate? If I ever say something that you feel like I'm taking too far, like never feel ashamed or like, just let me know. Sometimes I would go over things with him. Like, Hey, should I bring up this fact that happened in the trial? And he would tell me yes. And so he, he honestly probably was the, backbone of all of these conversations, because he was the one I was looking at to get the okay from. Amazing. It's, good that and, you, it's so great that you had that. Yes, and it was really wonderful, and especially when he would step in and talk to himself about situations, because as a Black man who has been through the system and has incidents with um, police and stuff like that, he was a very good resource, too, um, have that there and just, you know, make sure I was hitting everything. I wasn't being biased. I wasn't oversharing my opinions because that's a huge fear of mine as well. You know, you don't want to make the students think a certain way. Um, so yes, I had him there and that was very helpful.
0: So yeah. take us through the, the trial, this, with this lat these last few months with you and how, you were able to help your students understand it, how you were able to understand it yourself. Mm-hmm. What was the process for you? Because I've, I've read some of your Instagram posts and they're really profound about your, because it's just a realistic view of, of what it's like to be a teacher right down the street from this trial, right down the street, mm-hmm. sharing the same stores that took place where George Floyd went in. So mm-hmm. tell me about that
1: yeah so I think well before we get into that I think it's important to note that mindfulness is something that is regularly done in my classroom from day one and the reason I started implementing that into my classroom is because when you do work in a low-income school you tend to have a lot of kids with with trauma and with trauma comes behavior problems and I've just really seen, difference with my students with doing mindfulness and so that was a huge tool for us to be able to process these emotions that came up during these conversations and so I think before you have any type of conversation with a child that you are might be afraid might be inappropriate emotionally or you know you're afraid that you might be saying too much it's important to give them those tools To be able to reflect on those feelings instead of act on them, right? Because when I get more into it, you'll, you'll hear there, you know, there's times we got really angry. There were times where we were all in tears. There were times when we were so excited. We were on our chairs. Like, so, you know, you just have, if you're going to have emotional conversations, it's really important to have those tools to understand those emotions. And so we just did that through mindfulness, just YouTube videos that I found. And, you know, we just kind of learned mindfulness together. And honestly, they think it's for them, but it really helps me. (laughs) Interesting, because I did interview
0: a woman who um, she's a mindfulness teacher. She's a meditation teacher. And I ended up taking the course that she recommended. I still thank her so much for that. Because it changed my life. And it's a course to bring mindfulness into the classroom. But it was really for me, like at the point when I was doing it, I was like, this is what I really need. Yes. I'm able to communicate to the children better. So Mm -hmm. I am all for mindfulness. I think that's fantastic.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So the way we started this off was a couple weeks before the trial, we started reading this book called Now You Be the Judge. And it's a book that has a bunch of juvenile cases. Of kids who um, go through the juvenile system. And it describes what happens to them, what their options are, what the judge thinks. And so that was kind of our foundation for the criminal justice system. Because I knew there was gonna be a lot of words and a lot of situations happening that I would have to eventually teach them if we were gonna talk about it. So that was really helpful in exposing them to that. But before the trial began, we made a tree map on our whiteboard. And if you've seen my Instagram, you've definitely seen that on the post. I did. And the three things we started with was what we know, what we don't know, and what we want to know. So kind of like a KWL chart. And before this as well, it was really important to talk about facts and opinions. What's a fact? What's an opinion? because the only thing we were gonna put on the tree maps were facts because before any of the students decided their opinion on the trial or what they thought about it, I wanted them to know what happened so that they could figure out what their opinion was. So talking about the facts and opinions, we did all that and knowing what the kids already knew and what they wanted to know really gave me a foundation for where I could take our conversation. And so when we were doing this chart, it's just so crazy what children know. Like <laughs> sometimes they just amaze me. Right there was, there was nothing they didn't know. And so just knowing that they're already exposed to all of these things and Um, really eased me as a teacher as well, because it is scary, like I said earlier, like being afraid of exposing them to too much. Right, so I started off with that just so I knew what they already knew. After we did that, they gave me some research questions that they wanted me to research. And they were things like, what does George Floyd's family think of the incident? What does Derek um, Chauvin's family think of the incident? Like It was just they wanted to know other people's opinions on the matter that knew them personally. Um, What we did next was we talked about the different things that happened and how the situation was handled. We took moments to put ourselves in their shoes. We talked about how if we were Derek, you know, why would he maybe feel the reason to do that? You know, um, if I was one of the other police officers, why would I have felt the need to just stand there? We started talking about, you know, the, the newer police officer, how he must have felt, you know, being still on probation or he was just newer or in training or whatever. So just taking all those elements. And then we talked about um, the three different charges he could get what they meant, and then they came up with their opinions of how they wanted the trial to end. And from those opinions, my kids were very angry. Yeah. That was the main emotion that they felt. And they were just so angry, but they didn't know how to let their anger out. And they didn't know what to do with their anger. And they didn't even know where their anger was coming from. Right. And so after talking about it and, you know, just being angry together, this one certain day, we just, I passed out a piece of paper and I just said, I don't know what you're going to write. I don't care what you're going to write. I don't care what you're going to draw, but we're going to take five minutes. We're going to do whatever we want on these papers. And then we're going to rip them up. And we did that. And as a class afterwards, we sat down and I was like, okay, so how do we feel now? And they were like, I feel better and I want to know how to fix this. And I was like, hey, let's figure out how do we fix this? You know, like, what can we do to make sure that this doesn't happen?
0: Now, just to remind, just to, um, I forgot to say, is this middle school that you teach? Fourth grade. Fourth grade. This is
1: fourth grade. Nine and 10 year olds. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. That is I amazing. I know. They blew my mind. Like blew my mind. So after, you know, the three weeks of it or whatever, we started looking more into, Um. well, how long do police have training? What kind of training do they go through? How long are their shifts? How much do they work? You know, things like that. And we started seeing that in our class's opinion, that you know, there's not as much training for their profession as there is for other professions. Also, they tend to work a lot longer hours than you know, other professions do as well. And we started getting these opinions of, well, how can we expect police officers to react 100% perfectly if we're making them work 18 hours? And how do we expect them to be perfect if we're only training them for six months? and so the fact that my students can come to that conclusion blew my mind wow and just showed that like if you it doesn't matter how old they are if you explain and you sit down and you talk to them like humans like they will like they're so innocent and pure and they just they'll they'll figure it out they they know what's going on yeah that's amazing it was truly amazing like they're they're great. They're, they're going to change the world. I always say that. And I think that's why teachers are so
0: important because importantly, they need these important conversations Mm
1: -hmm. so that
0: they can go out into the world and they can be better citizens, better people. Um, which I, you know, I think, and it's, it's our job to, to shape them. And yeah, so I just love the work you're, I love the work that you are doing with them. So how did, what was it like? Um, did you guys get out of the school? Because D- there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of stuff going out on the, going on on the streets and there was uh, memorials and there was, tell me if, did you yeah. get out of the school?
1: So a lot of the protests were happening on my students' streets. Um, A lot of. Sorry, hold on. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Um, oh, yeah. When the trial was happening, when they said they had a verdict, we went back to distance learning okay. because we already had from the boy who got shot in Brooklyn Center, Minnesota, which is right next to Minneapolis. That happened a couple days before the verdict came out. And so then again, we started having huge protests in Minneapolis. And this time, Brooklyn Center is literally right next to Minneapolis. So now we're starting to have army tanks and the National Guard holding their huge guns on every single corner in Minneapolis. Oh, my God. So I'm having my students walk into school saying, I have a tank parked outside my house. Oh, my God. I had a student in Walmart when the, um, what's it called? The looting started happening and she had to be escorted out by a national guard. Like this is stuff is so real for them. It's right there. And, you know, so many times my kids came in and were just like, I'm so scared. Why are they standing on the corner with guns? And I was like, they're here to protect us. You just have to remember that. And so that was very intense for them. They just, they wanted to talk about it and ask questions, but I feel like giving them that, that opportunity really helped ease them, just being able to talk about it. Yeah, so we had one day, it was the school walkout for the high schoolers. That was like a nat, nat Nation thing, I think. I don't, I'm not sure, but, um, our middle school participated in that. And so they made a bunch of signs and they went outside and did a protest on the streets right outside our school. Cause we're on a, we're on a pretty main street. And so right by an, uh, an on-ramp for a freeway. Oh, so, wow. so many cars come by. And so when they started protesting, my class also went out there. Cause I was like, this is awesome. We're not missing this. And we were out there and we didn't see much, but my students got to see the older kids with their signs and they got to join them in the chanting and the honking. And it was so cool to just see them like yelling, like Black Lives Matters and all these like children voices. It was just the coolest thing. And they were so hyped. Like I could not get them to calm down afterwards. Like they were just like, yes, Black Lives Matters. It's like it was awesome. They like got a little taste of that rush and it was, it was so fun. And I think they felt just very connected to each other. Was it difficult having to teach curriculum during all this? Yes. Yeah, it really did. Yeah. Um, also a lot of parents kept their kids home a lot during the trial. Okay. We kind of excused all absences during it because it was just a very spooky feeling down here. Right. Just very uneasy, you would walk outside and it literally was like, you could cut the tension with a knife. So it was very difficult teaching because I had a lot absent and our minds were just not there. Yeah, We pushed through it and we did what we needed to do. Right, But honestly, that wasn't our main focus. Because sometimes life lessons are just way more important than that test. Absolutely. And you know, when you have all your students are brown and black and there's a social justice trial going on, right? It's so important for them to see all this happen. So what was it like the moment the verdict came out? Oh, that was wild. So we had gotten the notification like everyone else that the trial was coming out between two or three and four in Minnesota our buses come at three thirty, So we are freaking out as staff. What if this goes wrong? We don't have the school boarded up. All of the shops around us are boarded. We're like, we need to get these kids out of here. And we need to get out of here in case anything happens. Right. And so it, we were panicking. We usually we like let the kids have fun waiting for buses, but no, we were all on our, on our bottoms waiting for our buses, quickly walking, getting in the bus. And these kids were terrified. They were so terrified because they knew that their city was going to burn if it went wrong. And they knew it because it was going to be their families that were going to be out there protesting. I mean, I told, we all had conversations about it, you know, like I was ready to go protest if it went the other way. Right. And I had, I had kids crying, just crying, saying, my mom's downtown, my mom's there, my mom, like she's going to get hurt and all this stuff. And I was like, no, it's going to be okay. But when they called the verdict, all my kids were gone. They said that they all like were cheering on the buses, like the bus drivers all had the news up. Um, I was in a room with another teacher, and we were just listening to it. And the first charge got called and we were like yes okay then the second one and we're like okay last one here we go and then the third one and we were like it's done like just that weight off my chest of course I like leading up to it like I couldn't sleep oh my gosh none of us could sleep. I was, <laughs> I, was
0: I, I was walking in, um in the park in Brooklyn and we just like, I had the radio and everyone had their radios out. We, I mean, that the, the radios, sorry, our phones, our iPhones. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Same Hello. thing. Hello. <laughs> and I had my iPhone out and I was just watching the news and, and we were, it, we, it, yeah, you could have cut the tension. And then the celebrations that happened after it was truly an, a a historic moment that I will never forget where I was when this happened. So what happened after that? So the children came back and did you continue these conversations?
1: Um, we still talk about it, but we did decide as a class that we needed some time to process and we wanted a break. Right. Um, and so another thing that, I think is really important is with these conversations is checking in with them because you know, you can burn them out. And so I did check in with them. We were going to start up our judge book again. And I was just like, Hey guys, I'm kind of not feeling it really. I, I still need a little bit longer of a break. And they were like, honestly, me too. So we really haven't talked about it as much, but we've talked about other things like how right now is Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month. We are so into Asia and that has brought us into, you know, Asian hate right now. And so that has given us another door to talk about social injustice. Um, We also really like, or we're big advocates for LGBTQ in my classroom. We love to talk about that as well. Um, so we haven't really been talking about police, right? but we have been talking about other things. But it's
0: incredible what it leads to. Yes. You start having one conversation, it leads to these other conversations. I think it is incredible what you are doing, Jesse. I have to say, oh. I admire you so much. Oh my, Just my gosh. <laughs> to you about what you're doing in the classroom. I hope people really tune in. I mean, I always hope they tune into all the podcasts. <laughs> yes, cool. But I really want them to hear this because I think teachers can learn a lot from how you are dealing with, how you dealt with this right in the eye of the storm. And I think that is incredible what you're doing. Did you, do you have any resources you want to share
1: that really helped you through this? Oh my gosh. Um. So my mindfulness go-to is the Headspace app. Okay. So shout out Headspace. Um, I love... So what got me into talking about Black Lives Matters, my first resource is the PBS KID, Black Lives Matters um, resource for parents. Great. That really helped me open the doors of how to start these conversations and to feel comfortable having these conversations. Um, then I just have so many books. Yeah, I mean, there's so many out there. So many books I've been reading all year that has just led us into these conversations. That is
0: incredible.
1: Yeah. So just exposing to, you know, if you want to start talking about police brutality, like read a book with your class that has a little bit of it in it. And right. if you're nervous about it, that's how you can, you know, dip your toe in the water. Totally. See how they react to that. And then you can plan what you want to talk about from there. And so that's kind of what I did. Well, that is incredible,
0: and um, again, um, uh, you know, I'll post your your what your handle, your Miss J Rodriguez. What is your what is your handle on Twitter? Miss J
1: Rod fourth grade.
0: J yeah. Rod fourth grade on, on yeah. Instagram. Yeah, because I read I read all your stuff, and I think it's oh, incredible. That's so nice. and, um, Thank you. <laughs> I think you're great, and I <laughs> love the fact that this is just your third year. You have so much potential ahead of you, and what you are doing with these students will stay with them the rest of their life. They're never going to forget their fourth grade teacher. So. <laughs> Thanks. Bravo to you and kudos to you. So I just, it was such an honor having you on the podcast. Um, I will post anything, you know, I'll post your, your, um, keep saying Twitter, your Instagram handle and um, keep posting stuff and, and so I will,
1: you all learn from you. Oh, thank you. Well, I really appreciate you reaching out to me. I felt very honored. So thank you. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks for tuning into Warriors of Education. This podcast is produced by me, Karen Sarah Watson, edited by Eliza Renzi, and recorded in Brooklyn, New York. Make sure you subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you download podcasts. If you are a teacher or know a teacher who would like to share a story, contact us at warriorsofeducation at gmail.com or on our website, warriorsofeducation.com. Teachers, we hear you, we see you, we honor you. Thank you.